A word from today's sponsor. Embodia is an all-in-one platform for rehab professionals and our patients. I love using Embodia because it includes a complete practice management for charting, scheduling, billing, and online booking. Plus, Embodia has digital exercise prescription, program monitoring, secure two-way messaging, waitlist management, in-depth reporting, and so much more. As an added bonus, there's a library of continuing education courses and regular live webinars so that you can continue to learn while you build your practice. Visit EmbodiaApp.com and use the code MOMSTRENGTH to get $20 off your first month month's tier three membership. In this episode of Mom Strength, we're going to go over how to talk to your kids about their bodies, their private parts, approach the topic of consent, setting boundaries, and starting from the time that they're born. Welcome to Mom Strength, a podcast and movement to empower, educate, and showcase mom strength inside and out. I'm your host, Surabi Veach physiotherapist and fitness coach, also known as The Passionate Physio. Join me for discussions on movement, mindset, and motherhood, where we raise the bar and challenge the status quo. Get ready for expert interviews and real, honest conversations where we explore physical, mental, and emotional health. Let's celebrate the beautiful diversity and common experiences in all of our journeys. Let's do this. Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Mom Strength. This is your host, Surabhi Veach, and we're going to talk about how to talk to your kids about their bodies, how to empower them about their bodies, how to talk to them, when to talk to them about sex, um, body parts, private parts, and all sorts of goodness. Now, full disclosure, this is coming from the point of a human, a mom, a pelvic physiotherapist. This is not coming from the perspective of... Um, a child psychologist or a mental health therapist at all. The reason I'm even making this episode is because I have heard these requests so many times. I've had my clients ask me, how do you talk to your kids about this? How do you make sure that, you know, it doesn't feel awkward when you're talking to them about penises and vaginas and vulvas? So my kids are three and five, and I started talking to them about their bodies from the moments they were born. I would start when they were babies during diaper changes. I would verbalize, like narrate essentially what I was doing. So if you have young kids, that's a very easy thing that you could be doing is during a diaper change, you know, you could say, "Um, hey, little bubs, I'm... um, you, it looks like you peed your diaper or it looks like you had a poop. Let's go change your diaper so your bum stays nice and fresh. And so I'm opening your diaper. I'm going to use the wipes or I'm going to use the cloth to wipe your vulva from front to back. Now I'm going to wipe around your anus and I'm going to wipe your butt cheeks because a little bit of poop got on there. And now we're going to apply some bum bum around these spots here around your anus, around your butt cheeks so that it doesn't get red. And then we're going to put on a new diaper. And so I narrate it. And this also ties really well with consent. So we often think we don't, that babies don't need consent, need to be asked consent. Um, Because you got to change a diaper, you got to change a diaper, right? So even if they don't want you to change it, you also don't want them to have poop and a diaper rash and be uncomfortable. So sometimes it's a delicate subject, but the way I would approach it is, from a sense of we're going to change your diaper and wait for them to kind of make eye contact or um, give me a sign of agreement 
I don't remember any circumstance where they were like really didn't want to change their diaper when they were young, right? So in the first six months, as soon as they start to want to roll and crawl and move, then they're fighting diaper changes all the time, not because they don't want a fresh diaper, but because they're, it's fun, it's a game, it's exciting for them, right? And even with that, I would say things like, okay, we are... Um, you know, let them have fun with it. And then we'd make games out of it. Or we would sing special songs around diaper changes to make that a little bit more um, routine. But whether it was a vulva, whether, whether you have a baby with a vulva or a penis, you can verbalize these things. I'm wiping around your scrotum. I'm lifting up your scrotum. And I'm touching it gently, gently. And so as they get older, they understand these body parts. Babies are smart, y'all. And so if you feel awkward saying these words around adults, start with your baby because your baby is not going to judge you at all. And so let's say you have an older baby that's on the go or toddler. Um, they're wanting to come into the bathroom with you at all, you know, all the time. When you're sitting on the toilet, they're in the bathroom with you. And so I like to verbalize what I'm doing. It's like, I'm having a pee or I'm having a poop. Now, sure, you could be like, I'm urinating. I'm, you know, I'm defecating because those are the technical terms. But peeing and pooping is pretty pretty widely used <laughs> even in the medical profession. Um, so I'm not I'm less concerned about that. Of course, my kids still know the proper ter- terms because they're kids of a physiotherapist and pelvic physiotherapist, but I'm less worried about it, to be honest. Um, and then when I'm in the bathroom with them, I also get my period. I'm a menstruating person. So it's so easy for me to be like, you know, ask one of my kids, hey, can you get mommy, can you get mommy's uh, cup, menstrual cup or tampon? They've watched me insert both. They have watched me wear pads and period underwear. Um, Y'all know I like my NYX period underwear. I also have a discount code with them, which I'll tag to this episode. But they see me do all that. And now whether you have a boy or a girl or a non-binary child, it is important that all children get exposed to this. I have talked to women who are so embarrassed to talk about this, even in front of their four-year-old, six-year-old boys. And to me, that makes no sense. They don't think it's weird that you have blood coming out of your vagina each month. They think it's weird if you think it's weird. They think it's weird when you give off the vibe that you're so uncomfortable talking about this. So I like to talk about it just like I'm talking about it here. Matter of fact, it's like, you know what? Mommy's having a poop. I want some privacy. Can you close the door? You can wait on the other side and we can sing a song or you can sing me a song. When they were really little, yes, they were 100%. They were in the bathroom with me. But as they got a little bit older and I could trust them <laughs> to, you know, for five minutes without me constantly supervising them, I started asking for privacy and to set that boundary. And guess what? My older one, she started setting that boundary around when she was four with poops. She's like, no, I want the door closed. And so I really respect that. And I think that we assume that kids are just like objects, even from the time they're babies, they're human beings, we need to respect them. Consent is very important. And if they if we start modeling it at home, even with us ourselves setting boundaries of privacy, and space. Because here's the thing, Here's the thing I see in most households, from what I've heard anyways, is the kids follow the mom into the bathroom, but they don't follow the dad into the bathroom. And so there, right away, they learn that women's bodies don't deserve privacy 
or there's less um, need to set a boundary or respect the boundary versus a man, we need to respect that boundary. And so if you are a single parent, if you are a mother, if you identify as a mom and you're like, I I have to, my kids have to be in the bathroom with me and they're really young, that's fine. Or perhaps they have a special need and they have to be in the bathroom with you, that's fine. But it's about as they get older, as they're able, setting the boundaries so that you don't always, you're not always the person who doesn't get your boundaries respected. Because yes, you're the mom, but you're still a human. And your kids are learning from you and your partner, if you have a partner, um, from your family, how the world works. And we all know that in general, there's less respect when it comes to um, respecting women's body autonomy, body space, um, you know, and I just think it's interesting how that starts in our homes. And oftentimes, it's the moms who take the mat leave. It's the moms who are always with baby. It's the moms who or the who the kids are attached to. So it makes sense that the mom is the one who they want to fall into the bathroom. But at some point or the other, um, if you want to, if you don't care about setting a boundary around that, please don't. These are just ideas that I'm sharing because I've had so many people ask and request for this episode. Um, and... You know, we don't make it a big deal of like, oh, we're going to sit down and learn about our body today. I weave it in into everything we're doing. Now, I do also have a pelvis at home. I have a vulva model at home, so it's very easy. But what I've realized is I don't have a penis model at home because I largely work with vulva owners. So it's not like you need a model in your home to teach your children. You don't need a model of the shoulder or the mouth to teach them dental hygiene or, you know, how to move their shoulder. In the same way, a mirror can help, especially with um, vulva owners, girls, um, or kids who identify as girls with the vulva. You can use a mirror to show them the parts of their vulva and just say, this is your vulva, so that they get a mental picture of like, oh, this is what it looks like, because they may not be able to bend over and see. (coughs) And for penises, it's obvious. It's sticking out of the body. Scrotum. You know, it's hanging out there. So it's a little bit more obvious. But even just to see, oh, that's where my anus is. This is where poop comes out of. Whether you have a male baby, a female baby anatomically, um, or an intersex baby, it's important to get familiar with those areas. Now, what you see from the outside, if you're a female anatomy baby, it's called a vulva, not a vagina. So that's an important distinction as well is to teach your kids. Uh, my, I teach my daughter, I'm like, you know what? This is a vulva. Inside is there is a vagina. And a lot of people call it the wrong name. And so she know, she's known that since she was like three. My son knows that too. And we'll have conversations like, oh, does dada have a penis? Does mama have a vulva? And it's very innocent and it's very normal. Uh, and then they want to know, oh, does Pati, which is grandma in Tamil, or does Tata, you know, grandpa in Tamil, does Tata have this, the Pati have that? And so we have those conversations. And sometimes it's also important to set the boundary again on where these conversations are appropriate. And so I'll say we don't talk about people's bodies behind their back in a negative way. And we also don't um, ask people questions about their bodies because they might not be comfortable with it you know if you're if you have a question we can talk about it when we're home and so when they're two or three they might not understand that even when they're four they might not understand that but as they get a little older they do learn to understand where it's appropriate to ask certain questions and where it's not and the reasoning I give behind that is just I say you know these are our private areas these are personal to us and um, it's none of our business what body parts somebody else has ultimately 
right? And I always like to preface that with is we don't assume that's just because somebody has short hair that they're a boy and somebody has long hair, they're a girl. We don't know what body parts they have. We don't know how they identify and it's none of our business. But if we are curious, we can ask. We can say, how do I address you? But never is a child in a situation where they're like, I need to know whether this is a he or she or they. Do you know what I mean? Like they just play naturally together. I just like to expose them to the fact that there are he she and they and a combination and we have friends and we have people in our circle who identify in different ways so it's a beautiful thing for them to actually just witness because they just learn that as normal and they don't learn that as abnormal you know something that my daughter said the other day that I was so proud of and there was this kid at her school who was you know we had picked up we picked up our kids and that kid's mom had picked up that kid and she was like girls and boys marry each other um and or like girls can only marry boys or something like that and my daughter like looked made eye contact with me and she was like that is not true and she was so confident in how she said it and that's it she was just like that is not true And, you know, of course, we were doing pickups, so there was no time to, like, have a discussion around it. But that's what happens with kids. We don't have to have a full-blown 20-minute discussion about these things when they're so little. It's just about teaching them on a regular basis what the parts of their bodies are. When we give them a bath, I'm washing your bum. I'm washing your penis. Like, we're narrating this. We're saying this out loud. And it's also important because... If, God forbid, they're being touched inappropriately, people aren't going to be like, I'm touching your penis. They're just going to do it. So they start to understand that the adults in my life who are responsible for me respect me. They are telling me what they're doing. They're making sure I'm okay with it. If I'm uncomfortable, they're going to stop, you know, in terms of bathing, of course. And I'm clear with my kids is that, you know, there's only these people who are allowed to give you a bath. And if anybody touches you, other than, you know, to help you wipe your bum in daycare or something, um, let us know right away. And there's nothing that you did nothing wrong. But this is, you know, most adults and most people are kind and they respect your space, but some people don't. And so they understand that most people are good and most people are kind and most people are not pervs or pedophiles. But there are some people who are unkind or mean, or whatever word you want to use in your household. Um, you know, there's some pretty strong words we can use, but I like to keep it as children appropriate as possible. Um, so then they understand that because I want them to be able to have the confidence of speaking up for themselves, telling mommy or daddy if something happens, telling mommy or daddy if they're uncomfortable, um, speaking up about like where it hurts. So sometimes, you know, if my one of my kids hasn't drank enough water. You know how your pee kind of burns when it comes out if you're really dehydrated? She can say specifically what's happening. My vulva is itchy or if she hasn't had a bath, you know, or she's itchy. My vulva is itchy instead of just like not knowing how to describe that area. Um, Or my urethra burns. She knows the word urethra, right? And both my kids do. And urethra is where your pee comes out of. You might think, why is this important? But it's Do we know the parts of our mouth, lips, teeth, gums, right? It's just basic knowledge. You don't have to know exactly what each tooth is called. In the same way, let's teach our kids, you know, vulva. And then as they get older, 
This is your outer labia. This is your inner labia. And right from the beginning, I'm letting them know that their bodies are going to change over time. Their penis is going to look different because, you know, the kids have even asked, how come you have hair? Well, that's just what happens when you hit a phase called puberty. When you get a little bit older, you go through these body changes. And then when, you know, you keep getting older, your body keeps changing. How cool is that? Because I don't want to frame it in a negative way that their bodies are changing. I don't want them to think, oh, God, I'm dreading this. I'm dreading my periods. I'm dreading this. I want them to look forward to and just accept that life is full of change in our bodies (laughs) in our thoughts. Um, And so they start to accept even from now that all bodies look different. All bodies are different. And even our own body changes over time. So what have I gone over? I've talked about how from baby days you can start using diaper changes to teach them anatomy and get comfortable yourself saying these words out loud. Bath time is another great time. We have some great books and I'll link that in the show notes as well because the names of these books escape me right now. But um, they're just talk about body uh, consent, autonomy, like my body, my choice. Um, And they're rated for like ages eight and up. But honestly, my five-year-old is great at we read it to her and we started when she was like four, three even. Um, Because you don't have to read all the words and you can just kind of explain the gist of like, who are your trusted adults or, you know, where do you, who do you talk to if you're feeling unsafe or uncomfortable? Um, And then the other thing is around consent with everything, explaining, asking, Um, setting boundaries for yourself because you're modeling this for them. If there's no boundaries for you, if you're okay with your whole family coming in when you're pooping, that's, that's great. But you should also explain that most people are not comfortable with this. So don't walk into a public toilet and open the door into somebody else. Or, you know, if you're a kid in your classes in the neighboring stall, like don't peek under and don't be giggling about it because that's disrespectful, right? And You know, there's kids who do this stuff, right? And I remember kids who were like way too old. They should have known better, but they still do it. And I do think that that is, we need to explicitly have these conversations with our kids because we don't know what they're thinking and we don't know what, like, what actions they will do. So I would rather preemptively have these conversations and 100%. I will have missed something. You know, we can't touch, we can't cover all of our bases because sometimes we don't even know what conversations to have. But some of the things, you know, I just mentioned boundaries, consent, um, naming their body parts factually. Um, you know, we, when I was pregnant with my second, my daughter would ask me like, how's, where's baby made? We had this great book about how babies are made. And of course, we changed some of the language to make it more gender inclusive and inclusive to different types of families. Because in the book, there was a mom and dad. And we made it, we said some families have one mom or some families have one dad or a grandpa or two moms or three moms. You know, there's different ways that families are so that they start to understand from a young age that just because my family looks like this doesn't mean all families look like this. And doesn't mean I get to make fun of another kid or point at another kid because um, single them out because their family looks different than mine, right? I don't want them to have a default. I want them to understand that whatever each person's family is like, that is how it is. And we respect that. And then, yeah, we haven't talked about sex per se yet. I think they're still quite young for that. But it depends if they had asked questions. I probably would have explained just very basically, you know, 
what happens. Um, but in the book, in the reproduction book that we have, it does say that like when a sperm from a you know male and an egg from a female meet, sometimes a baby can happen. So they they know that the sperm and egg is required for reproduction. And but they don't know how the sperm is getting to the egg. We haven't had that conversation yet. I do think we need to respect kid-led learning rather than forcing lessons upon them. Kids are naturally curious and they're going to ask questions just like they look at your pubic hair and they're like, why do you have that? Why do you have armpit hair and daddy doesn't? Or why does daddy have armpit hair and you don't? So I say, you know, I shave because that's a socially accepted norm for people who are women. But there are many women who don't shave. And that's really cool, too, because I don't shave all the time either. So they're understanding not only why uh, that we do things or don't do things based on sh- social norms, but also that social norms are kind of arbitrary and we don't have to follow them, right? So there's so many things that I feel like are just ingrained in the way that I interact with my kids. And it's not just me, it's also my husband. I think that it's important that both parents or if, if there are two parents or three parents or one parent, whoever, are on the same board, same board, <laughs> on the same boat um, with this. And sometimes that's not going to happen because your partner may be really uncomfortable talking about any of this. Many of our homes are very like purity culture, like never talk about these things. So not everyone's going to feel comfortable talking about it. But Try when your kids are young because as they get older, the questions are going to get harder. And if you're so uncomfortable talking about this, they are not going to go to you f- for those questions. They're going to Google things, and you know what? You know what's going to happen when they Google stuff. So I would rather be uncomfortable early on when they're young than be like, oh crap, we've never uttered the word sex. We've never talked about this. And now they're 15 asking me these questions, or they're not talking to me and they're hiding something from me. And I don't know what to do, right? And so now if you're listening to this and you have older kids, there are Sex Positive Families, which is a fantastic account, and they have courses on this as well. Um, and I did take a course on how to talk to kids about sex, um, and it covered all age kids. And it was just about the, kind of the same things I just talked about. It's not one conversation, it's many conversations. Um, and it's also, I don't want to put the burden of safety on my daughter. So I, I don't talk about, oh, well, you know, you should wear these types of clothing because other people might. No, we don't do that because it is not her job to uphold, to make sure that she's safe. It's society's job. My job is to teach her environments that she feels uncomfortable in and comfortable in. And same with my son, because... I don't know the actual stats on um, child sexual abuse, but they're high. And for both boys and girls, and I'm pretty sure it's higher for boys, if I'm not mistaken, but don't quote don't quote me on that because I didn't actually look it up. But these things do happen, and many times they happen from people in your own household, family, or close circles. So it's important for me to know that I've taught my kids that even if it's coming from within the family they can tell me right or they can tell me and my husband if you if you're on the same um page with this conversation i think that was what i really wanted to cover in this conversation um and just understand that some most kids that their age i know most kids their age don't know any of that stuff most kids will probably call it hoo-ha or private parts privates and that's okay and i always tell my kids other families teach their kids different things, and that's okay. Um, but this is what we learn about. Um, they know when mommy gets her period so they can, you know, get 
my heat pack if I'm having cramps or they understand and they respect that boundary. And it takes time. It's not like the first period you get that you're just they're going to just understand. It's repetition every month. They're learning the same stuff so that they they start to put together that pattern. And then they're like, oh, okay, like this is what happens. Uh, and then it's so cute. Even my son will be like, is your period done? And he like wants to look in the toilet and like see the blood. And all that is just normal to him and normal to my daughter. And I think that is beautiful because the first time I had my period, I had no idea I was going to get it that early. Thankfully, I had learned about it at school because my mom never told me about it. And I don't think it's solely a mom's responsibility to talk to daughters about their periods. I think dads also need to be comfortable with this because there are many situations where my dad would get me period, uh, pads from you know the drugstore or wherever. It shouldn't, the responsibility of teaching all this should not all be on the mother. So I really encourage you, if you're listening to this, have your partner, if you have a male partner, listen to this as well, because these conversations can happen on both parties, the conversation around consent, around respecting body, um, autonomy, choices, and never forcing your kids to like hug someone that they don't want to hug. So this was really hard for me because I wanted my kids to hug my parents, hug me, but even... I will say to them, you know, do you want a hug? Do you want to hug Pati and Tata? And then most of the time they're like, yeah. But sometimes they're like, no. I'm like, okay. And you can see my di- the di- disappointment in their eyes, my parents' eyes. But I'm like, you know what? And I, I will say, we respect your choice. You can maybe try again another time, right? And that's it. It doesn't have to be a big deal every time. And if the adult makes a big deal out of it, it is not your responsibility to pa- pacify their feelings, Ultimately, if your goal is to raise a child who is confident and empowered in their body, just remember that that's your goal and just say you have to respect our choices. You know, he's his own person. She's her own person. They're their own person. They don't want to give a hug right now. And that's it. And no guilt tripping. Oh, grandma's so disappointed or your uncle's so disappointed. You're not going to see him for six months. Why don't you just? No, 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 no. Because what is that telling the child? It's telling the child that you're putting other people's feelings of ahead of their feeling of safety in their own body, their feeling of autonomy in their own body. And I that's the last thing I want. So I hope that some of these conversations spark some ideas for you on how you can incorporate these conversations with your child or children or even if you have nieces or nephews because not all parents think about this they think oh the puberty talk comes when they're like nine right but girls are getting periods earlier people are developing at all sorts of ages and you might have kid your kids maybe interacting with people of other ages as well going to a friend's house and then there's an older sibling present and i also want them to understand that just because it's another kid they still have to respect their body and respect their space and sometimes older children you know they get this feeling of like control and power over these little kids and they may unintentionally tickle or touch or be in a little kid's space and so i want my kids to know first of all They're being monitored, especially when they're young. They're not being just left to themselves. And that's my personal choice in our family. Our our family's choice and your family might have different rules and whatnot, um, boundaries or, you know, flexibility around that. But I'm just sharing what we do. But it's also important because other families may not know what safe touch and unsafe touch is or what consent even means. And so... Your job is not to teach every kid in the neighborhood, although like I wish all kids knew this um, and all parents knew this. 
Your job is to teach your child and also empower them to speak up for themselves when they can, when it's appropriate. And until they can do that, you're their voice, right? So whether you have to go talk to the school or the daycare or wherever, um, you're their voice. And so getting comfortable having these conversations at home will be a great way for you to advocate for them outside the home if and when you have to. Because I like to say when because <laughs> rather than if because there's always going to be some conversation you're going to have to have with your kids' teachers or daycare workers or wherever. Um, and so... Rather than being shocked when you have to, I just like to be like, all right, okay, so this is the conversation we have to go have. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be tough, but I can do this, right? And you can do this wherever you are in your parenting journey. If you have a newborn to if you have a 10, 15-year-old, um, I'm sorry, I didn't provide a lot of like teenage-specific tips because, again, I don't have lived experience with that. I think um, whether it's a child psychologist or sex therapist might have more information around that, which is why I... Um, love the Sex Positive Families page. They have courses for kids of all ages. But I think that consent and that boundaries and respect needs to start from the second they're born rather than waiting for like when they're five or 10 to start those conversations. So if you enjoy this conversation, please share this with a friend. Go review Mom Strength right now um, because these reviews really help y'all. They help other people understand what the benefit of listening to this podcast is, what they'll get out of it. And teach them where they can find help. Thank you so much for listening. Love you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Mom Strength and being part of this important conversation. Check out the show notes for more info and links and we'll chat again real soon.